this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. This is Joe and TJ, and we are the Schoolhouse 302, and we're here with our guest, Larry Rosen, for an interview on our One Thing series. Welcome to the podcast, Larry. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. We are incredibly excited about having Dr. Rosen with us. This is our One Thing series, which is meant to provide listeners with an interview with a great leader on a specific topic, and then dive into some growth strategies with our five leadership questions. This one thing series is focused on the distracted mind and how it can hinder leaders, specifically things that interfere and distract leaders from achieving their goals. At the Schoolhouse 302, we're always trying to get this simple so our followers can lead better and grow faster. That's great, Joe. Thanks. I'm going to introduce our guest this month, Dr. Larry Rosens, Professor Emeritus and past chair of the psychology department at California State University. He's a research psychologist with specialties in multitasking, social networking, uh, generational differences, parenting and child and adolescent development, um, neuropsychology, and he's recognized as an international expert in the psychology of technology. Over the past 30 years, Dr. Rosen and his colleagues have examined reactions to technology among more than 70,000 people in the United States and in 22 other countries. His latest book, The Distracted Mind, Ancient Brains in a High-Tech World, published by MIT Press, has generated strong public interest and has been quoted in dozens of media outlets. Dr. Rosen has been featured extensively in television, print, and radio media, and he's been a commenter, a commentator on 60 Minutes, The Daily Show, Good Morning America, NPR, and CNN. Dr. Rosen has four children, including one in the I generation and one in the net generation and two in Generation X. And he has three grandchildren to watch growing up with all of our technology and technological advancements. He lives in San Diego, California. For fun, he creates works of art from a combination of old computer technology clocks and early rock and roll music. In his free time, he enjoys reading international intrigue novels, fiddling with his newest geek toy, going to independent films, and trying to find ways to keep his humanware safe from all the hardware and software vying for his attention. We're so fortunate to have Larry on this episode of our One Thing series, and so let's get started on the topic of the distracted mind and the impact that phones and other technology can have on us, particularly leaders. This is something that you research extensively, Larry. You've written about it, and you understand how it impacts people of all ages. Leaders are constantly tethered to their phones and bombarded with information. How do you recommend that leaders manage themselves in this area of technology to stay focused and to achieve goals. We want to hear anything that you might say about distractions and managing goals in today's world of leading. Joe and I and our listeners are ready to learn from you. 
Thanks very much for that wonderful introduction. Um, the, the interesting part about distraction is that we tend to think that our distractions come mostly from the outside world. We hear a conversation and we listen in. We get a beep on our phone and we quick grab our phone and check to see who's beeping us. It turns out that about half of our distraction comes from those kind of alerts and notifications and outside influences, but the other half come from an unknown space probably between your left and right ear. And this is, this is the most interesting part of distraction because the problem is, is that your, your job as a leader is to set up goals and then figure out how to meet those goals. Goal setting is one of the, the um, cognitive control processes that we possess as human beings. And it's probably our greatest gift. But the problem is, is that it is easily disruptible. So for example, you have a goal that you need to get a document done. And so what you do is you send out um, an email to the, a variety of people, of course, including anybody who might be interested in maybe CCing a few other people so that they'll be aware and maybe BCCing yourself too, just to make sure that you have a copy. And then the reply alls will start coming in. And just as you're starting to work on maybe an outline for the document, the reply alls start hitting and you're getting bombarded by outside alerts and notifications. At the same time, your brain is going, I've got to get this going. I've got to get working on this. And so you're starting to build up this, this biochemistry in your brain of anxiety that says, I need to finish this and I need to get cracking on it. And the anxiety gets in the way of your performance. So we sort of have a dual problem here. Half of it is we allow ourselves to be alerted and notified willy-nilly all the time. And two, we sort of let our brain sink into this, this feeling that um, what we're needing to do is so important that it drives us to interrupt whatever we're thinking to do something on that work, on that project. It's really a, um, an interesting process that's going on. And we're studying both sides of it. We're trying to look at what drags people away in terms of alerts and notifications. And we're also trying to look at what drags people away because of what's going on inside their head. Um, interestingly, the alerts and notifications are much easier to study. Um, if you caught the 60 minutes piece on, called brain hacking, we um, stuck Anderson Cooper in front of a computer screen, told me he was gonna watch a videotape and that we were gonna ask him questions afterwards. And we told him, just put your phone next to you on the desk, no problem. Clipped uh, two little clips to his fingers, one that measured his heart rate and one that measured what's called galvanic skin response or electrodermal activity, which basically signals arousal, um, usually a negative kind of arousal, an anxious arousal. Uh, and then about a minute into watching the video, we shut it off and said, nope, your, your phone is, seems to be interfering with our technology. We're gonna move it back here a few feet behind you. And then we started him up again and then we started texting him. And every time the person in charge of this research, Dr. Nancy Cheever, texted Anderson, his heart rate stayed exactly constant, but his galvanic skin response spiked every single time. And when we asked him what that was, the spike was anxiety. 
he couldn't access his phone, and so he got anxious trying to figure out who might be texting him and whether it was important or not, and totally lost focus on what he was doing. So that's a real good example of, of how this technology distraction really works at you and keeps you from focusing on the task at hand. Dr. Rosen, that's uh, fascinating. We did watch that interview um, online, and it was fascinating to see um, the reactions, the responses, and really eventually Anderson even admit what was going on. Do you have any suggestions or ideas or ways that we cope with that type of anxiety or suggestions um, that our listeners and really TJ and I as well take away um, from that experiment, from that research, so we can be less anxious? I imagine if we're anxious, we're also less productive, or at least we're not at our best. Right. Anxiety will mask production. Absolutely. So the best suggestion I have is, is that you have to wean yourself off of the constant need to check in. And what I mean by checking in is either getting an alert or notification and grabbing your phone immediately and looking at it, because most of us don't let a microsecond go by before we grab that phone to see who might be texting us or emailing us or snapping us or whatever. So we're, we're sitting here with a situation where we are starting to act a bit like Pavlov's dogs. We get a beep, we salivate. We get a beep, we salivate. Now we don't salivate like dogs do. We salivate by spiking our galvanic skin response, have, having biochemistry, our biochemistry changes. We start leaking chemicals into our brain. And those chemicals are what cause the reactions, predominantly cortisol, by the way, which is um, a chemical that runs free around your body and in small amounts wakes you up, in large amounts makes you want to get the heck out of here. So we're looking at this kind of problem. And one of the things that I've devised is something I call a technology break. And really, it's just a cheap behavioral way to wean you, yourself off of needing to have that knee-jerk Pavlovian reaction. So it's real simple. What you do is you allow yourself, imagine that you're sitting at your desk and you're working on a project or you're going to work on a project. So you check your, you give yourself one minute to check anything that has nothing to do with the project um, on your phone, on your laptop, wherever it happens to be. Then you close down any website, any app, anything that is irrelevant to what you're working on. Um, and I don't mean minimize them because if you minimize them, those little numbers, those little tiny red numbers stay there and remind you how many tweets you've missed out on, how many email messages are still waiting, how many Facebook posts you haven't looked at. So you, you literally close those websites, you take your phone, you flick off all websites that have to do with anything that's irrelevant to what you're working on. You set an alarm for 15 minutes, you set it on silent, you turn your phone upside down and put it right in front of your face, somewhere really close, so you can take a look at it and see it. You're not going to be looking at it. What it's going to be doing is sending a signal to your brain that says, don't get anxious. In 15 minutes or less, you are going to get to check back in again. The other thing, by the way, is before you start doing this, you have to let everybody know you're doing it because they are, you've trained them. You've trained them that they send you a message and you immediately respond. Um, so you have to untrain them in that. So you send a message out to everybody saying, hey, I'm trying this tech break idea. Um, I'll get back to you within about 15 minutes if you email me 
or if you text me or whatever. When the alarm goes off in 15 minutes, you set another alarm for a minute. You give yourself one minute to look at anything you want, open up that Facebook page, check it out if it's driving you crazy, check your email, whatever. One minute's more than enough. Then set it on 15 minutes upside down again on silent and go through 15 minutes, one minute, 15 minutes, one minute until you got it. And the way you know you got it is the alarm goes off and you say to yourself, wait a minute, wait a minute, I just need to finish this paragraph. I just need to finish this, this part of what I'm working on. Now you got it. Now change it to 20 minutes then 25 then 30. I think if you can get to 30 minutes of total and utter attention and focus that you've won because 30 minutes of focus allows your brain to not just do things superficially, but to really get deep down into that creative part of your brain, that default mode network, as the neuroscientists call it, that brings up creative ideas that allows you to produce documents that have brilliant thoughts in them. So this is what we need to do at least as a start. There's lots of other suggestions I have for the leader, but that's a good start in order to wean yourself off of, of having to check in all the time. Dr. Rosen, that's incredible. I think it also resonates on so many levels um, with at work, at home, and really what uh, drives us every day and that reaction and sometimes maybe even that false belief of productivity because we are responding. Um, so that is truly great. And I think our listeners will appreciate the practical advice. So, um, we're going to move on to the next segment. Um, we really appreciate that. We're going to go on our five one thing series leadership questions. This is a little different. Um, we ask you a specific question. You can always relate it to your research and so forth. Um, but I'm going to begin with uh, question one, which is who is one person or group who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration and where can we find them? Um, I would have to say that the one person I follow is actually my co-author for my for the Distracted Mind, my latest book, um, Dr. Adam Ghazali. He is um, a neuroscientist, neurologist, MD, PhD. He's at the University of California, San Francisco, um, and runs a huge laboratory that is studying exactly these kinds of things, the impact of technology. He um, His work is so interesting and so brilliant that I'm sure he'll win a Nobel Prize someday. Um, for example, he and his, his co-workers have created a video game um, that is in the pipeline for the FDA as a treatment for ADHD. It will be the first non-drug treatment for any psychiatric disorder. Um, that's pretty impressive. Um, Adam's highly productive. He's, he's brilliant. He has great ideas. And anytime I talk with him, I learn something. That's great. Dr. Rosen, we'll try to link back to some of that work as best we can in the show notes. So we appreciate that um, advice for our listeners. Um, the second question we have is what's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? You know, the one thing that keeps coming up when we talk about distraction is that in general, the biggest loser is face-to-face -face conversations. Um, we seem to have opted to, to no longer talk to other people face-to-face. -face. We're much happier texting them or calling them or Facebooking them or snapping them or whatever. So one of the things that I think people need to do 
um, absolutely need to do on a regular basis is instigate and have face-to-face -face conversations. And in the business world, this means take time and talk to people. Visit your coworker, have a five-minute conversation. It's amazing the positive impact that has on your brain. Um, the other area where I think that we need to do this is when we're out in public. Uh, if, if you watch people lined up anywhere, at the movie theater, um, at the bank, it doesn't matter where, just take a peek at what they're doing. They're all on their phones. Mm -hmm. They're missing a golden opportunity. Some of your most interesting ideas, some of your most interesting experiences come from talking to the person next to you in line. Uh, I go to a lot of film festivals and um, I really enjoy talking to people about what films they've seen, what they've enjoyed, what they like, what they didn't like. And yet what I've seen more and more, particularly with the younger generation, is it's hard for me to get their faces out of the screen. Their faces tend to be pointed down rather than up looking to, to connect with other human beings. And I think that's something that keeps us human and preserves this human wear that we have between our left and right ear. Thank you, Larry. That, it's amazing you say that too, because I think that face-to-face and -face the art of language is just that. It's something that we can master. And I can tell you from a leader's perspective, how many issues possibly could have been resolved, at least from my opinion, could have been resolved sooner if just a phone was picked up or a meeting was held versus the constant email or text and where misinterpreted uh, messages were going back and forth. And then you have a couple issues on hand rather than the, the primary issue. Um, so I can see that as a, a big, big um, suggestion and people need to do more with the face-to-face. -face. Uh, let me ask you our third question. What's the one thing that you want to know or be able to do that you don't already? Oh, that's a very interesting question. Um, I, I'm a lifelong learner. I, I believe that you have to keep learning and learning and learning. And right now I'm on a kick to learn something that I don't know. It's actually two different things. One is um, the neuroscience of what happens to us in our brain when we are not productive when we are the opposite of productive, when we are not productive. And I'm, I'm actually reading a neuroscience textbook right now, trying to get to the basics. I know, I know a, a ton of neuroscience, but not some of the new work that gets at the, at the nitty gritty. And then the other half, um, I'm reading a book that talks about how you can design your business to attract your customers. And it's a bit tongue in cheek because it's, it's really teaching you what businesses do to keep your eyeballs there, to keep you from, from going from where they want you to be to another location. And um, I, I, find, I find the book fascinating in small dosage. Um, um, the book's called Hooked, by the way. Uh, and I'm finding it really good in small dosages, but when I, when I, Go back and look at the front cover. It, the, the subtitle is How to Build Habit-Forming Products. And that scares me um, <laughs> because this, this is what's happening to us, I think, is that technology is getting smarter and smarter. The companies are getting smarter and smarter. Every company hires behavioral scientists to help them 
figure out a way to get people's eyeballs on their product and keep them there as much as possible. And yet that's the problem that we see right now out in the world is that people's eyeballs tend to be pointed down at their phone and flipping rapidly through different screens rather than up at the world. And, and the world consists of, obviously, as I said before, other people, but the world consists of the world. We don't spend enough time just looking at things. Uh, it's, it's always very interesting to me when you get to someplace really beautiful, um, like if there's a gorgeous sunset or you see beautiful snow-capped mountains, the first thing that people do is reach for their phone and take a picture, thinking that somehow that picture is going to, somewhere in the future, give them this wonderful feeling that they missed because they took the picture instead of looking. And so uh, I think that all of, all of these combine into the, the areas of the, what I don't know speaks yards. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Dr. Rosen, it's just the simple fact that it's scary. What you, uh, what you described is, is scary that people are basically taking control over our brains with these, um, these technologies and um, the way we interact with, with our phones. And I, I think the one thing that the leader has is an opportunity there as well to be productive and to help people to be productive so that they have the opposite of that feeling that you're, you're going to understand through the neuroscience of being unproductive. It's fascinating work. Um, our fourth one thing series question is, what's the one thing that led to or continues to support your growth as a leader and as a contributor that others can replicate? Um, I, I have on my, on my email um, a, a phrase that actually comes from a company that makes clothing. It's called, do what you like, like what you do. And I live by that. Uh, I'm, I'm retired. I don't need to do anything anymore. I could sit in <laughs> for the rest of my life. Um, I'm, I'm happy, and yet I go back and teach. Um, and I do research because it's what, it's what continues to drive me forward, continues to keep me interested. I read numerous uh, news reports, a lot of technology reports. I try to keep my, my brain going at all times. And I think that that's the part that you cannot take for granted. Um, I think I, I see a lot of this in, from the academic viewpoint. When you see a leader that's been there for a while, they're almost like on, on um, auto drive, on autopilot. And, and really no longer paying much attention to what's new, what's fascinating, what's interesting, assuming that if, it, if it's important, it'll stay there and somebody will tell them about it eventually. But I, I have this feeling that I wanna get in on the ground floor of anything. So as soon as an article comes out or I see something in the news, I immediately write the author and ask, hey, if, I know this hasn't been published yet, but can you send me a preprint? I'm really interested in reading about this. And you'd be surprised um, what you learn and how that drives what you think. And then for me, that drives my research, um, which I will continue to do until they drag me out feet first. Thank you, Dr. Rosen. With that request, um, is that something in, that you uh, pursue and you email them and, and so forth? I'm um, just to back up a little bit. Um, are you kind of pursuing information, knowledge, and growth 
like in a category or categorically, or is it around neuroscience, as you said earlier, or is it more organic at this stage of your life? Are, are you pursuing ideas, thoughts, and um, really just information that interests you, or do you have more thought behind um, what you're actually attracted to and organize that and then pursue information um, categorically? If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. That's the fun part of being at the stage of my life that I am because I can pursue anything. And I do. Um, this morning I was talking to a producer from a, um, a show that Katie Quirk is doing. And she, I had made a statement when Katie interviewed me a, f a few months ago about the impact of getting a lousy night's sleep and what that does to your brain um, in terms of leaving around toxins that then form plaques in your brain that inhibit your, your ability to think and learn. And eventually they think lead to having Alzheimer's. Um, that stimulated me. She asked me some questions on it and I immediately went and looked up the latest research on it because it was interesting. Not that I'm planning on studying it anymore. We did a, I think a definitive study on sleep. I think it's, we've been there, done that. But, but anything I find fascinating, and, and I, I'm, the umbrella that I work under is called the psychology of technology, which means anything about technology, anything about how people react to technology, the impact it has on our world, on our life. So I, I get to look at things like fake news and the media and people's perceptions of the media. Uh, I get to look at how other countries use the media to, to help um, push a cause or push a revolution, as we've seen all over the Middle East. Uh, so the answer, the answer really is I get to do whatever I want, and I find almost anything fascinating. That's great. I'm going to follow up with our final question. Or what's one thing that you used to think that you don't think anymore? I, I guess the one thing that I used to think was that when you retired, you retired and you had hobbies or you did things, but you no longer did anything that had to do with your previous life. Uh, I saw my father do that. He hated his job. He retired at 54, I think. He, he just passed away at 98. Um, so he spent almost half of his life um, being retired. He didn't have much in the way of hobbies, didn't have much in the way of things to do. He just kind of read until his eyes went out and and in the long run, I think his retirement wasn't all that he hoped it would be. Uh, my attitude is I want my retirement to be everything that I hope it will be, which means I keep, keep my brain active. Um, I do, as you read in my bio, I do art projects. Um, I have a dog. I take walks with the dog. I try to keep myself reasonably healthy. I cook. Uh, I do a bevy of things that, that um, keep me active. And I think part of what we're learning from the psychology point of view is that the more active you stay in retirement, the more active your brain stays in retirement, the better your retirement's going to be and possibly the longer you're going to live in that better state. So I would have to say that that's, that's the change in my thinking, that retirement doesn't mean you just stop doing what you do. It just means you get to keep doing it in the ways that you choose to do it and add in other things that make you happy. That's wonderful. Thank you for that. Um, that's also a note for anybody who's not retired too, to get that brain as active as possible to prepare for a wonderful um, and productive retirement. So 
Larry, what a great interview. We're so thrilled to have you as a guest. Uh, everything that you said today was fantastic. Um, we always say that leadership might be complex, but it certainly doesn't have to be complicated. And I think you've given us a number of very simple things and simple thoughts that are really inspirational for for our listeners. Is there anything else that you would like to add to today's show? Um, I think that the, what I'd like to remind people is that technology is a tool. And as a tool, you get to s decide how to use it. Just because you have a hammer in your toolbox doesn't mean that you use a hammer to do everything in the world. Sometimes you need a screwdriver, sometimes you need a drill. Just because you have technology does not mean that it has to be the be all and end all. And in fact, it shouldn't. Um, you should use your brain. You should actively, actively use your brain for deep thinking, allowing yourself to daydream, allowing yourself to be creative. You should take breaks from your technology, not detox kind of breaks, but just short breaks away from the technology so that you allow your brain to remember what it was like to not stare into a screen, but to actually let it free think. And so I think that would be my, my only other contribution to this discussion. Well, that was fantastic. There you have it, Dr. Larry Rosen. Don't forget to follow our blog, theschoolhouse302.com, for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs all on the topic of leadership. We hope you enjoyed our One Thing series on the distracted mind with Dr. Larry Rosen. Thank you, Larry. Thanks very much for having me.